Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. You know, life in this world isn't easy, to put it mildly. On a daily basis, the people of our world find themselves facing heartbreaking tragedies and problems. We just saw more evidence of evil this past week in Uvalde, Texas. Today, as we celebrate our Savior's ascension into heaven, we see the ultimate victory that Jesus won for us. And that victory fills us with a godly trust and hope and confidence. Our sermon today is based on Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Our message is entitled, The Ascended Savior Gives His Church Confidence. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of His Holy Word. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, be glory, power, honor, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, both now and forevermore. Amen. I invite your attention on this festival of the Ascension to Revelation, chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. John writes, I saw heaven standing open, And there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war in righteousness. His eyes are like blazing flames. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him which no one knows except he himself. He is also clothed in a garment that had been dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies in heaven, which were clothed with white, clean, fine linen, were following him on white horses. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will shepherd them with an iron staff. He himself is going to trample the winepress of the fierce anger of the Almighty God. On his garment and on his thigh, this name is written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. The word of our God. My dear family in Christ, it wasn't my finest moment. I remember a time back in my childhood when I was next door playing basketball with my friend. And we got into a pretty heated argument, and things escalated quickly. I mean, he he got more angry than I had ever seen him before. He'd balled up his fists, and he looked ready to use them. I decided it was best if I just left and went back home, and so I started over to retrieve my skateboard from his front yard, and he threatened me. Leave it there, he said. I tried to reason with him for a time, but he wasn't giving in. I I walked over again to retrieve my skateboard, and he made even more loud threats. Figured it wasn't worth it, so I turned around and walked back to my house, and that's when I saw my dad standing there. He was a looming figure back in the day. He looked at me and he said, what's going on over there? I explained to him that we had gotten in an argument and my friend was really angry and 
he told me that I couldn't get my skateboard and bring it home. Go back over there and get your skateboard, my dad said. And when my friend started in again shouting threats, my dad calmly said to him, Mark is coming to get, to get his skateboard. He's going to bring it home, and that's that. It wasn't my finest moment. Well, I don't remember anymore what the argument was all about. I'm, I'm sure that I wasn't blameless. And honestly, I was pretty embarrassed that my dad had to bail me out of that mess. But I do remember being filled with this sense of calm and confidence as I walked over and retrieved my skateboard. What do you think, friends? Think we could use a little confidence to live our lives in this world right now? I mean, here we are again, feeling helpless and angry, the wake of another tragedy, this one unfolding at Robb Elementary down in Uvalde, Texas. A horrible, shocking, senseless, violent tragedy. And once again, we find ourselves at a loss to explain how anyone could take the lives of those precious little children and their teachers, none of whom had done any wrong to the perpetrator. Pure evil. And it fills us with grief and disgust. And maybe somewhere down deep inside, a little bit of a sense of panic, too. We believe that our Lord, this almighty and imposing figure, is standing there watching over us as we retrieve our skateboards from the havoc that he has wreaked in our world today. But tragedies like this make people wonder, is that really true? And if it is, why doesn't the Lord put a stop to it? And Satan nudges us to start to wonder and to draw horrifying conclusions that maybe Satan's winning after all. That maybe we really are helpless. Maybe the situation is actually hopeless. But you know, I feel a little bit like that childhood version of myself when I read these words from Revelation chapter 19. And I want you to feel that way this morning too because we aren't helpless and Satan isn't winning and the situation isn't hopeless and the Lord hasn't lost control. What a blessing that today we can celebrate the ascension of our Lord back into heaven. Forty days after rising in triumph from the dead, Jesus ascended back into heaven. And even though it doesn't get much airtime, and even though it probably will never be declared a national holiday, the ascension of Jesus into heaven is a big deal. And this text gives us one of the reasons why. See, ascension wasn't Jesus just heading off into retirement. And ascension isn't just some hope for the distant future either. Don't we sometimes tend to view it that way, that it really only has to do with that promise that he'll come back and take us to be with him, and in the meantime, he's up in heaven doing nothing much, twiddling his holy thumbs, and we sit and wait for that final day to come. 
Does it sometimes seem as though our Lord is far less active and engaged in our world today than he was a couple thousand years ago when he walked the dusty streets of Palestine? As though our Savior's work was only about winning heaven for us, and he's not much interested in what happens in our lives down here in these present days. Then remember this. Jesus ascended into heaven and as we so often confess, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's not a place. That's a position of ultimate power and authority. And Ephesians chapter 1 vows to us that there at the Father's right hand, in this position of ultimate authority and power, Jesus Christ is ruling over all things that happen in heaven and on earth and under the earth and is using everything for the good of his church, even when it may not seem that way from our limited perspective. Ascension is a big deal. The ascension of Jesus Christ has a very real and applicable message for you as you live out your life in this world to his glory. And it's a message that can change the way that you face every day in a very challenging and often very frightening world. Here in Revelation chapter 19, the ascended Savior gives his church confidence. Jesus hasn't slipped into retirement. Jesus isn't powerless to do anything about the evil that assails us, and Jesus most certainly isn't uninterested in how things are going in your daily life. In fact, John shows us Jesus is a warrior. In the visions that the Lord gave to John here in the book of Revelation, he was showing John some of the trouble and some of the evil that will assault and assail the church from the time of his ascension until the time of Judgment Day. Plagues and wars and troubles. Problems in the church and problems from outside of the church and problems in society and problems in government. He shows John all of these things, but that's not all he shows him. He shows him the ultimate victory. All of those enemies of the gospel ultimately defeated that's what's being celebrated here in Revelation chapter 19 this morning. So let's walk through some of these verses together and let's take note here of the power and the authority of our ascended Christ and let's be filled with his godly confidence in him. Verse 11, John says, I saw heaven standing open and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True and he judges and makes war in righteousness. So the, the curtain of heaven is, is pulled open, and John is given a, a, a quick picture of Jesus. And what's he doing? Just sitting back doing no, he's parading through heaven as the victorious champion. He's called faithful and true because what he tells us here in his Bible, the Word of God, is true, all of it, and whatever he promises us will absolutely come to pass. He is faithful and true. He judges war and makes war in righteousness. In other words, whatever Jesus does there in that exalted position is always 
the right thing. He judges and makes war in righteousness. It's the right thing, even when we don't understand it. John says his eyes are like blazing flames, and those blazing eyes can peer through all the mess of this world and right into our hearts and then off into the future, making him the, the perfectly suited one to be in control of all things. In might and in justice, the Lord Jesus fights against the forces of evil and ultimately will put an end to all of it. Let that bring us great comfort and peace when we suffer through things in life that are evil and unjust and unfair. What else? John goes on to show us a Savior who has many crowns on his head. Many crowns because even the believing kings and, and rulers and power brokers of this world who confess him as Lord and Savior are, are happy to lay their crowns at his feet, submitting to his authority and his power and his lordship. Many crowns. Because even those in power who live opposed to him will ultimately come to their destruction and will be forced to surrender their crown to him. But friend, in an evil world, look, in the end, evil doesn't win. Hatred doesn't win. Jesus wins. Put your confidence in him. John goes on, he has a name written on him which no one knows except he himself. Now, you might be thinking, well, I know his name. His name is Jesus. His name is Savior. His name is Emmanuel. His name is Christ. And you're right about that. But what John is pointing out for us here is not just the title by which Jesus is known, but everything that the Bible makes clear about him. He has a name that no one can fully understand because this warrior that fights for us is true God from all eternity who became true man, became one of us. So he's fully God and at the same time fully man, born of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's our Lord. He's the ascended warrior king who is in control of all things for the good of his people. Verse 13, Jesus is clothed in a garment that had been dipped in blood. That's not what you might think. Isaiah chapter 63 helps us to understand this portion of what John saw. The blood on the bottom hem of our, of our Savior's garment is not the blood that he shed to win our redemption when he died on the cross. It's rather the blood that he gets on the bottom of his robe, on the bottom of his garment, as he walks along the battlefield with all of his enemies slain. He walks victorious along that battlefield and gets some of their blood on his garment. It's a picture that fills us with confidence, no matter how bad things may seem to get, no matter how bad things become. Jesus is telling you here that he will never allow his church to go down in defeat. He stands alone, victorious on the battlefield. And it is a battle that he fights alone for us. Notice that John talks about the armies. Those are the angels who follow behind Jesus in verse 14, but their garments have no blood on them. They are pure and clean and white because Jesus is the one who fights for us. And he has this sharp sword coming out of his mouth in verse 15. That sword, the rest of Scripture helps us to understand, is actually the Word of God. 
And it is a word of judgment that the Lord will use to strike down the nations. He will strike down all of them, all of those who rejected him and his saving love and his gospel truth. He will rule them with an iron staff, shattering every enemy of the gospel like helpless pieces of pottery. He himself, John says, is going to trample the winepress of the fierce anger of the Almighty God. The owner of a vineyard back then would have had a wine press and, and workers would have put the grapes underneath that wine press and would have walked on it, squeezing out all of the juice. So the Lord Jesus crushes the, enemy of, the enemies of the gospel under his feet. God's wrath is rightfully taken out on those who defy him. And Jesus suffered that wrath, that punishment in our place on the cross. And just so that we never forget that this mighty Christ, or, or falter in our confidence in him, or our trust in him, he has his name written on his garment and on his thigh, right in plain sight of everyone, and that name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The ascended Christ fills his church with confidence. Why do you think he gave you this vision? Isn't it because he wants you to know that anything that is going to threaten getting in between you and your salvation, he has conquered for you? The sin that threatened to drag me down to hell forever, trampled it by his death in my place and yours on the cross. The things that would harm us and assault us and assail us are, are now just bloodstains on the hem of his garment. Jesus wins. You are connected to this Christ through faith. You have been joined to Christ and you win his victory. Because, see, our true life in Christ isn't simply about the dash mark that stands between the day of our birth and the day of our death. Though we live our lives to his glory and trusting in him here and now, our real life is the life that he's prepared for us to come in the kingdom of glory in heaven. Remember that. And believe that. When it seems to you as though Jesus has lost all control and that things are hopeless and that we are helpless, zoom out. See the big picture. Evil hasn't won. Jesus has. Things aren't hopeless. This ascended Christ is our certain hope. In this world, we are going to have trouble. Bank on it. Jesus vowed that to us. But we will overcome through faith in Christ Jesus. And yes, let's roll up our sleeves and let's keep on caring and let's keep on praying and let's keep on helping. And above all else, let's keep on sharing Jesus with the nations so that many more can come to see the, the glory waiting for them with this ascended Savior up in heaven, so that the gospel inspires them then to live their lives in the love of Christ, 
so that they don't go off and do unspeakably evil things and leave lives shattered and, and hearts grieving. But in all things, remember this vision from Revelation 19. After he trampled your sin at the cross and after he freed you from Satan's evil grip, Jesus Christ took on that last and fiercest enemy, the one that we spend so much time trying to avoid and delay, that enemy called death. Jesus took it on and he killed it. He stared death in the face and he conquered it. And he rose. And in triumph he ascended back into heaven and he parades through heaven victoriously, this triumphant rider on his white horse. And when his time is right, but only when his time is right. He'll bring us there to enjoy it with him through endless ages. And in the meantime, in the troubled days that life in this world often becomes, he just wants to point you to that name that's written on his garment and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he gives you faith to trust him. To put all your trust in Jesus, this victorious ascended Savior, this one who is faithful and true, who rides through heaven on his white horse, who fills his church with confidence. Amen.